Easter is the day that everybody comes back home. You know, so as a pastor, I feel like I get the chance to speak into the lives of every person. And, you know, together what we do is we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And this is the most important day of our history. This is the day that changed everything. See, this is what separates us from other religions is that Jesus is no longer dead. All other gods have died and remained dead. And our God isn't sitting on a shelf. He's not a statue. He is alive and well. And not only is he in heaven, not only is he here in this earth, but we have the opportunity to have him inside of us. Come on, somebody. Jesus is alive. And you know, on Easter Sunday, one of my favorite verses to reflect on and ponder on is Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And it's really how I want to start off this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, He lives on the inside of us. Think about that. The Spirit of God. All the power that it took to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. Look, it says, He lives inside of you. Somebody say, He lives inside of me. Think about that. The awesome power that it took. It wasn't just a one-time thing that we celebrate. It's not just like Easter was an event. That it is. We're celebrating, and it's, it's amazing. But it lives. His power lives on the inside of us each and every day. We can experience it for ourselves. I love to say it like this. We can not only celebrate the resurrection, but we get the chance to experience the resurrection. Look at what it says in verse 11. We continue to read, and it says, And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, it says, he will give life. He will, he will, he will give life to your mortal bodies. You know, you look at that, that's that's the things that are dying or have died. And, and, And by that same spirit living within you, that he gives us life. I mean, God never intended that Easter would just be a celebration. I mean, I think, how many think God loves parties? I, I think God loves parties. He loves to celebrate. You're like, I don't know if he likes the parties I used to go to. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost party. You know, where I, I just think God likes to celebrate. And, and really, that's what Sundays are for us. It's where we come together and we celebrate the goodness of God. We ought to laugh. We ought to have fun. And, and it's amazing. And today, you know, I know we're going to do celebration through Easter. Well, Easter eggs doesn't have anything to do with it, but we're going to have fun with that. And we had lots of great God stories. But, but it's not just the party. It's not just the experience on the external, something that you came to. Really, God, I want your power on the inside of me. Because you can't party if it's not on the inside, right? I mean, you can fake it. You can show up and you can go through the motions. But the real life comes because his life is on the inside. I don't have to fake it. I don't have to act like I'm having fun. I don't have to act like, no, no, because it's on the inside. It's just a part of what I do. And I love it that we can not only experience the resurrection, but, but the reason we experience is this. I believe God wants to close the gap in our life. You say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor, the gap? Well, the gap of where we're at today versus where we know God wants us to be. You know what I mean? And, and I think this, people come on Resurrection Sunday and, and they're haunted by the fact of, I know where I'm at right now, but I also know that it's not where I'm supposed to be. And that's the gap that I believe the resurrection life has come to feel. That we 
can every day say, God, I, I, I just help me be and experience what you want me to be and experience. That that gap can be closed. And the frustration part of life is this. So many times we try to close the gap in our own strength. We try to get there by our own power, by our own might, by doing it ourselves. And you'll never get there that way. That's the frustration of religion. That's, that's us trying to do it in and of our own strength and our own self. The, the reality is this. The only way we close that gap, the only way we live the life God has called us to live is for us to put Jesus at the center of our life and allow his resurrection power to be alive on the inside of us. And you know, when we launched the church four years ago, it was just four years ago, if you can believe that, I, I never wanted church to be just a service, right? right? I mean, I, I didn't want to just say, I, I sometimes I get haunted by this. What if someone can go to church for 20 years and never be any different? I mean, living in the same pain and the same problems and not seeing any victory. Yeah, they may make it to heaven. But my question as a pastor is, did we really win? Because the win is that we're better every day. You're better this week because you were at church last week. And that's the way I see Sundays. Like Sundays, I'm excited to see each and every one of you. But if you're not taking your next step... If you're not moving forward in your spiritual journey, I feel like it's a failure. The win is not the thousands of people that will come to Easter this weekend. That's not the win. The win is that you come back next week. That's the win. Why? Because I know that as a church, we can help you move forward in your spiritual journey. We can help you take steps. And I believe that's our responsibility, that I see Sundays as steps that we take in our spiritual journey so that when we get to the end of our life, we say, God, that gap has been closed. And that's really the way I see the Bible. I mean, the Bible, to me, I'm a process kind of guy. I see steps, and I, th that's to me, I think, man, okay, th here's A, here's B, here's C. I, I think a lot linearly, and, and, and you see the Bible in so many ways. God talks about going from glory to glory to glory, but he doesn't just say this like, hey, go figure it out. There are things he says, this is how you do it. This is how you get there, and that's the beauty of reading the Bible and studying the Bible is that he gives us the steps. And he helps us take that journey. And I think this, listen, Easter is no different. I think God has a process. I think God has a plan. I think God has a journey that he wants us to take in our life. And really, Easter is that same process that I want to share with you this morning. Think about this. Why three days? Why three days? I mean, when Jesus died, why was it three days? Why didn't when he died, he rise again or was resurrected instantly? Why not four days? Why not five days? Have any of you ever thought about it? You know, th think about why three days. And, and I think this, I think that in the three days, he shows us the process that we as believers can experience and walk through in our life. That in our spiritual journey, we don't have to stay where we're at. Look, I'm going to show you 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. See, Jesus is our great example. And, and this is the thing I love, and I'm stuck right now in my personal quiet time in the Gospels. Man, I've been listening to them. I've been Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, you know, my goal is to read the Bible every year. And right now, I am just, I am just fixed on the life of Jesus. Because everything he experienced is, it gives us life in what we experience. Everything that he does, it is a pattern. And so, I mean, we can see it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Look at what it says. It says, the kind, 
This is the kind of life that you've been invited to. So I want to make this just, you're invited. I'm, I'm giving you an invitation to live this kind of life, the kind of life that Christ lived. So in other words, he models it. The invitation is, listen, I want to invite you to live the life that Jesus lived. He models it, and so the invitation is extended. Look at what he continues to say. He says, he suffered everything that came his way. So I like to say it like this. He experienced a Friday. He experienced a Saturday. He experienced a Sunday. But look, it says, so you would know that it could be done. Turn to your neighbor and say, it can be done. Turn to your second choice. Tell him, it can be done, really. I believe in you. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't your spouse. <laughs> That it can be done. So, so what's his motto? His motto is, listen, it can be done. And then he goes, and also know how to do it. So there's the how-to. He's a how-to God. Here's how you do it. And then I love this. This is, I'm a simple person, and, you know, I'm probably not the smartest guy in the world. I, 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 I really can grab a hold of about one thing. Any, any husbands, you with me? My wife will come in. She'll give me about seven things. I'm like, whoa, slow that horse down, baby. Hold up. <laughs> Just give me one thing. Like, let's move down into wonder. And, and sometimes we can feel like that with God. It's like you feel overwhelmed in a service like this. You may, maybe you hadn't been in a while, and you could say, wow, that's a lot. No, no. What I always try to tell people is this, just grab one thing. One thing. Why? Because God is a step-by-step -step God. And what we know is every person's in a different step. See, we're all in the same hospital. Let us never forget that, that it's all about us reaching the lost, that it's all about us, just as Jesus' mission was to seek and save those who were lost. Sometimes I think we forget we're still in that hospital ourselves. And so we say, how, how could they? Oh, baby, don't forget the day when you was doing that. Mm. Lest you ever forget. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It's probably the suit. <laughs> you little sassy. But isn't it awesome? It's step-by-step. Step. God is a step-by-step step God, just step-by-step. Step. But I think this, that, that really the, the death, burial, and resurrection, it shows us something. See, Friday shows us something. Saturday teaches us something. Sunday teaches us something. It's lessons. It's steps. It's moving forward in our spiritual journey. So let me, let me share it with you. Friday, I think Friday represents a day of pain. Friday represents the day of pain. Now, now we know Jesus suffered a great deal of physical pain, and, and even throughout his life, he experienced pain. Someone said, well, why would he experience it? He experienced pain so he could help us through our pain. The Bible says there's nothing you have experienced that he hadn't experienced or gone through himself. And so we think of Good Friday, it really wasn't very good for Jesus, right? I mean, it's good for us now that we're on this side of history. But for Jesus, if you think about it, he was unjustly accused. He was tried through the midnight hours, which was totally inappropriate. It was illegal. You couldn't even do it. It wasn't even a just trial. He was spit upon. He was beaten. He had the lashings of 39 stripes on his back, crown of thorns on his head, carried the cross, nailed to the cross, spear in his side, dies. And he endured pain, amazing, tremendous amount of pain. In fact, let me tell you, Isaiah says this. Isaiah says that his visage was marred more than that of any other man. What does that mean? That means nobody had ever been beaten like he had been beaten. Nobody had ever experienced what he had experienced. Nobody had ever gone through what he had gone through. And see, it wasn't just physical. I mean, if you think about Jesus, he experienced emotional pain. 
The rejection, see, just a week earlier, the crowds were saying, oh, they were worshiping, bring palm branches. See, they thought he was coming in as the king to overthrow the Roman Empire. And think about this, the people that love you one day hate you the next. So, so you got to know this, that all the haters, Jesus, he experienced that. Why? So he would know when you were feeling that. All the pain, all the torment, and it was relational pain, too. If you, you think his family accepted him, they really didn't accept him until the end of his ministry. In fact, they were trying to put him back in check, and his family's a little crazy. Like, he's talking and preaching, and they're going to interrupt the whole service. Like, I know you ain't talking. They got a little crazy. Anybody got crazy family? Jesus had crazy. Anybody got crazy? Just raise your hand if you got crazy family. <laughs> if you didn't raise your hand, you're crazy. <laughs> You're that person. <laughs> You're the one. You're the... <laughs> I mean, he was rejected. The Bible says he was despised. I mean, think about Jesus. He was born in a barn, in a manger, poor carpenter. He would have been associated with that boy who was born out of wedlock. See, we see him as Jesus, born of a virgin, but you got to realize they didn't accept that. So he would have been called all the names that many of you have been called and still had to say, yeah, you can call me that, but I know who I am. See, the world can call you and try to label you by how they meet you, but God defines you by how he made you. And so this is what we got to know. The, the day of pain, let me just tell you, some of you, you come in, you got your smiles, you look beautiful, you look handsome, everything looks all put together, but on the inside, you're experiencing a day of pain. On the inside, you're going through the greatest turmoil of your life, and maybe nobody knows it, but on the inside, you're walking through a Friday. I remember a Friday in my life. You know, I, one of the most painful things that I walked through, as a young boy, Steve and I, we were young entrepreneurs, and my family, they all had restaurants and businesses, so we just grew up just hustling. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just hustle. We're going to make a dollar. We started a t-shirt company. We started a gold-plating company. Ain't none of it ever worked out. We started investing in real estate. We saw some success in that, and then ultimately opened up a restaurant. It's what I knew. It's what I was good at. Didn't really love it, but it's what I was good at. Never forget, you know, our family did it, and feeling the, the, the amazing success. You know, we went through seasons of good and bad, but towards the end of the restaurant, we would literally have lines out the restaurant. Phyllis and I are like, oh, my God. We'd given the restaurant to the Lord about seven months early and said, God, whatever you want to do in this restaurant, our wait staff, we're going to church. We started feeding the homeless. I mean, it was amazing. You think, God, I'm doing all these good things. The money that's coming in, we're, we're giving away. We're doing some amazing things. But what I didn't realize is my identity was in what I did. All of a sudden on Friday, I walked up and through a crazy series of events, I'll never forget, I pull up, all my employees are outside. I'm like, why are we outside? The landlord had locked the door, and that moment, that day, we lost the restaurant. Crazy series of events. So I was walking through this pain and turmoil on the inside, lots of other details. And, but what I realized was this. I started to feel ashamed. People started to talk about, like, you, that young guy. Oh, he must, how could you have so many people at the restaurant and it shut down? He must have blew his money. I'm, you know, all this, this negative things that I'm feeling on the inside. I feel like a failure. I'm feeling, some of my employees don't understand. Like, what happened? You couldn't pay the bills. And they, they didn't understand all the backstory of what happened. And I'll never forget the pain of that Friday in my life. About seven months later, here's what happens. I go to this encounter weekend, kind of an event. I'll never forget we're in these circles, and they're like, tell us, talk to us, what's going on. I don't want to talk to you. 
I'm depressed. I want to I wanna wallow in my depression. Leave me alone. And they kept saying, you're getting this earth. Come on. And, and one of the questions they asked, Steve, you guys remember? We, we all went through it together. They asked us this, who are you? I'm like, I don't know who I am. No, 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 no. You got to know who I am. I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. The pain has got me so messed up. I have no idea who I'm going through the circle. Finally, the Lord spoke to me 13 years ago who I was. That in that minute, I, I, and I'd say it just, I say it almost every day. I'm a general. So this is 13 years ago. I am a general. I wasn't in church. Wasn't leading the pastor. You know, I wasn't in any ministry. I'm a general organizing the greatest spiritual revolution the world has ever seen. Walking intimately with God relaxed and fully confident that I cannot fail, moving in his supernatural power and authority, bringing heaven to earth. That was 13 years ago. It was a moment that defined me, and this is what I I know, and I found it in Romans chapter 8. Look, Look at what it says. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So you got to know this, that in the Friday of life, what is the lesson that we learn? We learn this, that there is no pain that his purpose cannot redeem. That's what you got to know. If you're walking through the Friday of life, you got to know this, man, that what I'm walking through, God can redeem it for my good. Here's the second thing that we learn. It's the Saturday of life. So, so, so Saturday is, is really a day of confusion. It's, it's what we walk through in our life. So you got to think about this. Think about the disciples. Disciples were not sitting around on Saturday saying, Woo! Easter! He's coming back. No, no. When you look at the disciples, what they do? They scattered. They were depressed. They felt defeated. They didn't understand. Now, here's the crazy part about Saturday. Listen to Saturday. Jesus told them he would die and he would rise again three days later. But somehow in the midst of the pain, they never resolved the pain. So they went into a season of confusion. And this is where I think most of you are. See, I don't think a lot of you are in the Fridays of life. I think some of you came here in a Friday of life. I think a lot of you are in the Saturday of life. That you're confused. You walk through pain, but you didn't resolve it. So now what happens is you begin to feel numb. You're like, God, it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. It didn't really go down like I thought it should. And so you look at the disciples. What did they do? They went back to their old pattern of life. And that's what happens to so many people that come to church, right? They go back to the old pattern of life. Like you've been in it so long. This is what happens. You stop believing it's real. But you don't have any other options, so you're going to show up Easter, you're going to show up Christmas, you're going to keep it a part of your life. But the truth is, you're in this season of confusion, and confusion can be a dangerous place. I mean, it's really the place where we ask why. How many have ever asked why? Why, God, did this happen to me? Why, God, how could you let this happen? How could it go down like that? And, And listen, I get it. You know, for a pastor, I don't have the answers. And and I will tell you this. I don't know that we'll ever always find the answers on this side of eternity. Right? But I'm a why guy. How many ask questions? Raise your hands. They're like, my husband asked too many questions. You know, I mean, it's okay. It's okay to ask questions. And so for me, I read the Bible. And when I read the Bible, how many of you read the Bible and you got, man, I got got questions. I want some answers. And I'll read through and. I think when we get to heaven, I'm going to say, hey, God, can we just walk around? Can we just go and talk to some of the people and get some of the answers? Like, I mean, how many know the story of Adam and Eve? God created Adam and Eve. How many want to know if he's got a belly button? 
I mean, Tommy's mind blown, just blown. It's all right to laugh. Hey, listen, can we laugh? Have you ever thought that? I mean, can we go to Noah who put two animals on the ark? When God did it, they go to, to the ark. And can we say, hey, Noah, why didn't you swat those two mosquitoes? Bro, they're sitting right there. Like, just rid them from the earth forever. Right? I mean, I got all kinds of questions, not just even biblical questions, but why is the word abbreviation so long a word? Why is the slowest hour of traffic called rush hour? I mean, think about it. I got a question. I just go on. Here's, here's one that I, I ponder often. Why did kamikaze pilots wear helmets? You see, like, you're crazy. I thought we were talking about Jesus. Yeah, I know, but just the, the, the reality is this. We, we have questions, and it's okay that we have questions. What we got to do is not let them pull us down, because if they do, then we go into a season of doubting. Then we go, I mean, we know one of the disciples, his name was Doubting Thomas. Doubt was forever marked with who he was. And so he said, hey, listen, Jesus, I need to touch the nail scars' hands. I need to touch their side. I, I, I can't just see it. I'm not sure. I got to touch it. And so we move into a season of doubting in our life. And, in our faith. and what that is, is you never come out of the Saturday of your life. Never come out of that season. And then ultimately where that leads is that you begin to feel alone and isolated. You begin to feel like you're around people, but there's nobody that can really help you. Nobody really relates. Nobody really understands. And so, I, man, I walked through a Saturday of my life. I, I remember when I was young, growing up in youth ministry. We were raised in church. Steve, he's my twin brother. I have people all the time say, Pastor, how, how did you switch clothes at the end of service? That's my twin brother. He'll come up, so don't, don't get confused. And we were raised in church, and so we went to church together, and Graduated the youth group and we played in a band and I actually played drums and so we'd go to the youth service as youth leaders and we met this boy, we're about 20-something, Steve, and he was 15 years old. His name was Caleb. Man, just this kid, he walked in, he was that kid. Anybody know that kid that's angry, that's frustrated, that's mad? I mean, you say hello and he's trying to fight you. I'm like, whoa, brother, chill out. Slow your roll, baby. That's how we used to talk back then. Slow your roll. <laughs> Just, just calm down. And, and what we realized was this, his family life was so dysfunctional. His mom and dad divorced, and it was so much dysfunction. He was so angry because of the pain that he walked through, and he didn't have solutions. And so what we ended up doing was just loving on him. And I'll never forget, he said, hey, bro, can I come stay the night with the brothers, the twins? I'm like, yeah, man, come stay the night. Come on, come hang out with us. And then one night turned to two nights, two nights turned to three nights, and before long, Caleb moved in with us. <laughs> Yeah, he's that kind. No. <laughs> You're like, I got a Caleb. <laughs> and then we went to summer camp. I'll never forget. Listen, we got summer camp coming in June. Parents, do whatever it takes to get your kids to summer camp. Whatever it takes. So we went to summer camp. I'll never forget the moment. It, I, freedom came in his life. He came to know God in a powerful way. Goes back to school that year. And Steve would take him to school. I'd pick him up and... We just, things are going well. Then all of a sudden, Caden, Caleb met that guy that began to pull him in the wrong direction. People hanging out with that weren't taking him down the right path. That's why you got to make sure, you listen to me, young people. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Hanging out with them and 
started partying and we, we had two rules at the house is number one, you got to go to school. Number two, you got to go to church. And, and actually really a third one, you got to come in at a decent hour. There's a curfew. He stopped going to church, started skipping school again. And then the last straw that broke the camel's back was he started to come in really late and we just, we knew he was partying again. And so we had to ask him to leave and about a week and a half later, I'll never forget, he calls me and says, hey, Jimbo, can you, that's what you used to, can you get my stuff? And he had something he wanted me to give to him and so he said, I'm at this place and pull up into the place. How many, when you pull up, you can know it's kind of sketchy? I'm like, ah, I'm not sure about this. And how you doing? I'm doing okay. I said, hey, bro, can you, you come into church? You got to come to church, Caleb. Oh, come on, brother. I'm coming. I'll be there. I'll be there Sunday. Left that place and Sunday came and went. Caleb wasn't there. And honestly, I probably feel a little guilt because I kind of forgot. Out of sight, out of mind, and he wasn't there the next week. And a couple weeks later, Got a phone call. <clears throat> Caleb had been out all night partying. They were high, they were drunk, they ran into a telephone pole and he died that night. 16 years old. And I'll never forget, I've never shared this story until this weekend. <clears throat> Walking through this confusion, it's, it's kind of like fog. Anybody ever had fog? It's like, God, why? Like, why would you save him to let him die? Why would you let him experience you? How come we couldn't save him? I and mean, that's when I was young. And so there's this savior mentality. Like, I can save everybody. You can't save her. It's the power of God that saves him. But this guilt and this fog, and I'll never forget, it was in a moment of worship that something broke on the inside of me. See, to get out of the confusion, the only way to do it is to get into his presence. So the, the, the mentality is this, I'm going to run from God. I'm mad. I'm confused. You left me. Why would you let me go through the pain? But the reality is that's the enemy's tactic so that you stay stuck in your Saturday of life. And in this moment, just begin to worship. God, I love you. God, I, I don't understand. I don't agree with it. He was so funny and he was so talented. He had so much to offer the world. But God, I trust you. And then in that moment, hope filled my heart. And the psalmist says it like this, Psalm 73. This is not David that's writing the psalms. This is one of the writers that's actually just saying, hey, listen, I'm angry with you, God. He was mad because the wicked were prospering and the just were being suppressed and treated harshly. And so he's kind of got this beef with God. How many know God can handle your beef? I'm not worried about you being angry. I'm just worried about you being stuck. And so look at what the psalmist says when he's sitting there talking to God. He says, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. So he had questions. I'm, God, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know why. But then he goes on, till I entered the sanctuary of God and then I understood. It's the presence of God. And so here's the lesson. If you're in a Saturday of life, here's your lesson. There is no confusion that his presence cannot come. There's no confusion that his presence cannot come. And so the key is this. Listen, I don't want you to stay in Friday. I don't want you to stay in Saturday. The key is we got to get you to the Sunday of life. 
the day of resurrection, that I believe this, many of you are just one sunrise away from experiencing the resurrection in those areas of your life that are dead or dying. It gives us hope. And really, I would tell you this, it's found in the one word in who we celebrate today, it's Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Say it again, say Jesus. The power of his resurrection can be on the inside of us. Look at what John eleven twenty five 25 says. See, it's not just an experience. He is the resurrection and the life. And who believes? I want everybody say this out. I say believe. It says, who believes? Who believes? In me will never, who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And here's the question. Here's, here's the big question for this morning. Do you believe? Do you believe? See, that's the question. And my one goal for this whole service has been this. I got to get you to believe. That's why we even sing that song, You're the God of Miracles. Why? Because in this moment, I can't believe for you. Oh, I'm telling you. I prayed for you. I... Sometimes... I feel like Easter is my one shot. It's the one time you all come home. And it's like, man, I've been praying for you. That some of you, you're in this Saturday of life. You've been stuck. But you can move into the resurrection. God, Jesus, I believe. Isn't that amazing about Alexis' story? That, that's the thing I love about Alexis' story. Is that here you had a situation of this young girl that got pregnant. She was 16. What most people would have said is a terrible event, wasn't married, they're too young, it's not going to work. And now you're stuck with this little child that's a burden. That little child that was a burden that people would have said was your pain was the very thing God used to bring hope and healing and salvation to that family. They experienced the resurrection of life. So here's this, what's, what's the lesson we learn in Sunday? And it's this, there is no death that his power cannot resurrect. It's no death. So where in your life is it, man, God, I need you to resurrect it. God, I'm asking for you. And, and this is what you got to be okay with. I may not understand it all now. You may never understand it. But God, I believe. And my prayer is like that of Paul. How Paul actually says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. I just want to close with this scripture. Here's Paul, he's talking, and, and you're going to see this pattern that I just shared with you. Look, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. So you have the Apostle Paul. It's not just the one-time event. He's saying, i got to experience this every day. i, I got to experience I need to experience it. He says, I want to suffer with him. That's Friday. Sharing in his death. That's a Saturday. So that one way or another, I will experience resurrection from the dead. That's a Sunday. So even Paul, moving through his life, said, I've got to move through this journey. I'm not going to stay the where, I, where I was. God, I am going to pursue your resurrection life. Can we just pray? Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for Easter Sunday that we get to experience your resurrection on the inside of us. God, I'm asking you that no matter where we're at in life, some are in the Friday of life, some are in the Saturday of life, some are in the Sunday of life. 
God, no matter, we, every moment, every day, we need more, as Paul said, that resurrection power. God, my prayer is that I, I just, Lord, I, I'm being drawn to those that are stuck in Saturday. Like you walk through the pain, but the reality is, what I'm sensing is this, you became numb and you're just coping. And I want you to know this, God doesn't want you just to cope. He doesn't want you just to exist. It's, I, the greatest tragedy I see is that as Christians, we cope and exist in this life, and then we make it into eternity and we can experience His life. I believe this, and it's the last part of who God is coming, is that we gotta bring heaven to earth. Like everywhere Jesus went, he brought heaven here. The manifestation of victory and joy and power and peace. Love. And that's what we're fighting for, right? See, the key is not to come in on Easter Sunday and just get spiritually fat for us. It's like, God, fill me so that I can give it out. But you can't give out when you're in Saturday. Why? Because you're in the fog. You give out when you're in Sunday, when the resurrection, it's like, and, and that's where the power, listen, I'm speaking to somebody. You never experienced that power in your life, and so you're trying to witness to people, you're trying to share the goodness of God, but the truth is you don't have that power to give. You feel defeated. I want you to know He is here in this place. Father, right now, I just pray your power, your strength, your resurrecting life to come on the inside. They're going to walk out of here. And I believe every service people walk in one way and they walk out another. They'll walk out in your power. We thank you for this. We worship you, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I believe there's some of you here this morning. And we're talking about resurrection in your life, but the truth is you don't know God. You don't have a relationship with God. You know about Him. But if you were to be very honest, you don't know Him. See, knowing in your head is not experiencing in your heart. And this morning, I believe today, right now, this moment can be your day of salvation. It can be the moment that you connect your heart and your life back to God. I mean, that's what I love about Jesus and his life. See, some people come into church and you say, well, pastor, I'm not good enough. I'm messed. If you only knew what I did last night, listen, I want you to know this. That is a fair assessment. You are not good enough. I am not good enough. That no matter how many good works you do, you will still fall short of the standard, which is perfection and holiness. But God, sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to live in this earth, all God, all man, to suffer, to die, and to be resurrected. And think about this, in his suffering, why did he die on the cross? This is why he died, because he took your sins, your mistakes, the bad things that we have done in our life, he took them on his body. That's why they said, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because at that moment, God turns his head because the sin of the world is on his son. That's your sin. That's my sin. And the resurrecting power of God raised him from the dead. And that is the great exchange, right? That's where we believe. Somebody said, well, what do I do? We believe. 
Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. And not only are you Lord, I'm asking you to be my Lord. Save me. Set me free. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Here's the, here's the miracle of salvation. It says you will be saved. Boom. Done. Just by faith. Through grace. I believe there's some of you here this morning right now. You're one prayer away from that salvation in your life. I wonder if in this moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray with us. I'm not going to ask you to come down or stand up, but I'm going to pray with you. Before I do, can I just see who I'm praying for? You say, that's me, Pastor. I want to experience salvation right now. Raise your hand up high. Be bold. You got a church you love. Come on, I'm going to give you, just say, raise your hand. Hands all. Come on, raise them up. Come on, church. Celebrate. Keep your hands up. Come on. So you say, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to pray this prayer. Now, I can't pray it for you. I can pray it with you. can't believe it for you, but I can believe it with you. Let's pray. Jesus, I need you. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm asking you, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your power. I receive your grace unto salvation right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Come on, celebrate.